Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast, where we listen into a group of rural firefighters as they give their opinions on the challenges they face both on and off the fireground. We release a new episode every week, so please hit that subscribe button, leave us a rating, and share this with your fire family and friends. Now on to this week's episode, where as always, we ask the question, are you DTFF? Hello and welcome to the Volunteer Firefighter Podcast. <laughs> Tonight I am joined by four members of my firefighting family. I have Ash. Hello. I have Kev. Hello. I have Scott. Hey. And I have Miss Spence. Hi, Carl. And uh, Ash, we're on Instagram. Carl. <laughs> We are on Instagram. You're um, on Instagram right I'm now. I'm on Instagram right now. Uh, yeah, so find us out at DTFF Podcast. Uh, there's going to be uh, some sweet pictures, some video content coming at you hot. Uh, yeah, check it out. Coming at you hot. <laughs> yeah. That's what all the kids say, right? Uh, what we've, also, <laughs> we've also got, uh, we're going to be doing some uh, some training, some video content, which we're going to be putting up on the on the YouTubes, and we'll get that also up on the Instagram and the book face, mm-hmm. and uh, get it all around everywhere, around your Instagram profiles and everything else ash is normally the instagram guy i don't understand it but he does Mm -hmm. so we'll uh, yeah just keep your eyes open we'll make sure that we tell you all when stuff's coming for sure right all right yeah all right right. scott yeah i just wanted to bring up some news um (laughs) and again it's news right now (laughs) you know when this is aired it's probably not gonna be news um it was just the fact that and this isn't political it's the fact that president trump in the states he said the Finnish people, um, one reason why the wildfires are so heavy in, uh, in California right now, and right now the wildfires in California have killed 70 people confirmed, and 1,000 are missing. So it's got substantially worse than last week when we talked, I think. Mm-hmm. Was it last week? More yeah. containment, yeah, last week. but the, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, overall... the death and or damage toll, you know, people and structure toll is going skyrocketing, and it's crazy. Right. Um, so one of the things that the president has blamed it on is mismanagement of the force. Now, his thing that everyone's on about is the fact that he said uh, the Finnish people rake the forest grounds or something. It's a, rake like, the leaves. Rake the leaves. The, the government sends out people and they rake the leaves. And I don't know if that's what he meant. And, you know, I'm not going to say anything good or bad about Trump. Um, but there is a concept of forced remanagement. And I think it's important to, that we do um, maybe discuss it or be aware of it because nowadays, you know, um, with environmental concerns and stuff, there is a lot less burning of the forest, like a lot less prescribed burns than there used to be, yeah. I feel. And I think the government's starting to go back to that up here anyways. I don't know what's happening down there. Um, I don't know if you guys remember. Do you remember back in the old days when literally, like... We used to light the hillsides on fire around here and just burn off a lot of the underbrush. Do you remember that? No, not really, no. I remember doing it in the springtime and stuff with my uncle. We'd, we'd go along the hillside and just burn off the underbrush. I know that the, I know that the, uh, some of the local businesses, um, they are very conscious and aware of what is around them. And uh, they do, they have done, I've seen them do their own stuff to control their areas. Um, Backburn and stuff. I've, I've definitely seen that. 
yeah. portion. I was up at, uh, <clears throat> on that same thing. I was up at a uh, real estate course the other week, which I, I think they need to come and talk to us a little bit, honestly, because they were it was really quite informative. They had one portion. The first half of the day was all about floods, because obviously we get that as soon as spring hits, we get that constant. And then the second half, they were talking about wildfire, and they went through everything that was going on with the campfire one and uh, a few of the other ones that were going on in the States. It was a guy called uh, Kelly Johnston. Um, him and uh, David something as well. I can't remember the guy's second name, but he used to be a deputy fire chief in just up the, the street from us. Right. And uh, yeah, they were talking about the same thing where they're going back to doing those controlled burns. We're surrounded constantly by massive tinder boxes. And because we're not dealing with them in the way we used to, it's just waiting for that initial spark. Well, and I think one thing that the forestry people are starting to realize, and we realize now, we're almost getting too good at fighting forest fires, the smaller ones anyways, because of our equipment, our abilities. Um, you know, like around here, when we had even the smallest fire, we're hitting it with everything we got right away, even if it's like spring. When there's probably a better opportunity maybe even let it burn out a little bit. I know our, our chief is um, is a little bit more apt to telling us, hey, just let it, you know, we'll get the control lines, we'll let it burn a little bit. Because um, rather than rather than us attacking, chasing it down with a hose and putting it out, let's let it burn to a to a guard area and then uh, make sure it doesn't jump that guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I admittedly know nothing about forestry management down Sweet. in the states <laughs> oh yeah right. just I, I don't know like i know we, we when we do our prescribed burns it's usually kind of in the off season or yep. on the shoulder of the off season so it's not as dangerous but like california their there's fire no season, season. There's no off yeah there's season. no off season yeah. anymore it's all year round so and i was actually thinking about that today like nighttime and maybe you know december december january ish that'd be kind of the, like i don't know how like they never get rain but they do get slightly cooler temperatures and at night, you know, we know, we know that crossover happens when it starts getting cooler. We, that, sorry, the crossover happens when it gets hotter. But when it starts getting cooler, you know, I, I don't know if there's a time. Like, I don't know about California. Is there a time for them to do prescribed burns more? I know their fire chief down there, their one for SoCal, he was, there's an article on him like saying, yeah, we need to do these more, but we need to do them and we need the backing of the government and the people of California because... A lot of people are like, oh, no, that's putting smoke in the air. Because even around here, when we're doing, uh, when people are just burning, um, like, yard waste and stuff, people freak out. Yeah. Let alone lighting a, like a forest block on fire. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and again, when in, in this course I was listening to, they were, uh, they were describing, like, even just small fires, those embers can travel up to, you know, like... Uh, two kilometers in some instances yeah. and it gets spot fires and ignites something else so in especially because we've got a very very similar um environment to california yeah. very similar um yeah. It, it's yeah it's other than we dangerous. get colder yeah, yeah apart from our cold we don't yeah. get that but but our summers are definitely we like we don't have really any rain in the summer no, no. and it's hot yeah. how do you even justify prescribed burns down there when like that, an ember travels, however distance, and then all of a yeah. sudden you have a huge fire. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Do they? Do they do that? How could they manage it? Yeah, um, I mean, it, you, you know, you're asking about an off season. I don't even know if they have one. Well, that's what we're just saying. Like, yeah. I don't know if it's mm-hmm. maybe they do. I don't know, but they. I mean, they have to do something because whatever they're doing now, yeah, mean, it's, just, it's getting worse and worse every year, right? Yeah, and part of that's environment. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we've we've seen it get worse. Yeah, it's worse and worse for us. <clears throat> 
but I think the forestry people around here are starting to realize that because there is definitely more prescribed burns around. I don't think there's many in near towns though, is what I noticed. There's no. a lot out in like the middle of the forest up here. Yeah. But there's really you don't really hear of any along you know valley floors or where there's where there's towns located to burn off that material before it comes down into the, into the towns and cities. Well, one of the one of the things again, by this course, right. they were saying was regard because of that distance these embers can travel doesn't take a lot it really doesn't take a lot for a small fire even even a grass fire on the outskirts of the town to blow something in and cause a cause a structure fire yeah. and once you've got you know they've got the same same amount of guys same amount of vehicles as us yeah. and uh they would be in a situation where if they had two two structure fires they'd probably be okay same as us probably be okay once you get into that three range yeah. you're probably going to start to have issues and it wouldn't take a lot for those things to start because they're within that 2K boundary, right? Like, right. Yeah. They're yeah. just interesting. Sorry. We are seeing a lot more about, like, Fire Smart. And yeah, Fire Smart. That's what I remember what it's called, yeah. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. more, is for people that don't know, um, our forestry service is really pushing the Fire Smart, which is getting the property around, immediately around your house <clears throat> cleared up and safer and... I think part of it's trimming up the ladder fuels from yeah. the bottom of the trees up, trimming three, it up sir. three meters up. Yeah, so that way the, the, the fire doesn't travel up. Because a lot of it does start on that ground floor, the ground, mm-hmm. and moves itself up into mm-hmm. the tree line, and then it starts jumping, right? Making That's, sure you don't have wood piles around your yeah. house, and your house is clear of fuels. And... Yeah, I'm actually, I've been talking to the guys, I'm actually going to be the guy for down here. Okay. There's a training course you need to go do, and, and I figured that I'd just take that and... I don't know. Rumble it. Pre-planned stuff. Score. Yeah. Good on you. There um, you go. We need that down here. Hey, you're right. Hey, you're right. <laughs> so, on with tonight's episode. And tonight, we are going to be... You're going to love our title. <laughs> two, two firefighters, one hose. Uh, we're talking about two firefighters, one hose. <laughs> it's basically... Uh, it's not dirty. It's not dirty. It's not sure, dirty. We're, dirty. We're talking about the... Dirty. Um, <laughs> we're talking about the two guys that are going in the building and the nozzle guy and the backup guy and uh, all aspects of that, the things that are going through your head when you're each one and your job while you're... you're guy there. being multigendered. <laughs> Guy, guy, is guy now like I don't know what it is. I think the guy got to the point now where guy is just anyone. It doesn't. Need, it's yeah, not probably. a man or a woman. It's a person. Guy. Guy. When when we're saying it, we mean anybody. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's a guy thing. Movie. I heard a movie about that. Uh, it's happening. Hmm? Movie or or like a another Wait, series. A movie of what? A movie of what? Yeah. Undergrads. Sweet. Undergrads. Yeah, it's happening, guy. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like firefighters. Pretty least. <laughs> Well, okay, we're already off. It's going to be a slow exactly. night. <laughs> so, two firefighters. Two firefighters. <laughs> so, uh, we're, uh, who wants to... Who wants to... Uh, who wants to take nozzle? <laughs> I'll take the nozzle. Scott will take the nozzle. Yeah. So, for the longest time now, we've been really concentrating on the nozzle operator because really that's the person that's that's the person that has to put out the fire like and that's why i think in our department and in, in this with this training section we have we're really big fans of the nozzle forward guy aaron fields from seattle 
Is that a shout-out? Shout out. That's shout-out. Shout-out to Aaron Fields. Sponsorship. I just want to go to one of his courses. Because the nozzle is so important now, uh, well, not now, it's always been important, um, but for the long time, even he said this, There, it's for you know years and years and years in fire manuals, the first several sections were all about, again, knots. Not to harp on knots anymore. <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. But really, what are we there to do? We're there to put out fires. So we've concentrated on a lot in the last few years on, on that nozzle, on using that nozzle properly, getting it to where it needs to go, which is finding that fire, finding that seed of that fire. So um, we've been running a three-man attack team for a lot of, I mean, for a bunch of reasons. I mean, it used to be a two-man attack team. I think when I first started, we were kind of big on the two-man team. Um, we started running the two, three-man. So the third person is the um, door control. Um, so their job is communication to the um, incident commander because we also know that radios aren't always going to work. We always take a radio in with us, but inevitably something's going to fail. So the third person on the door, so I'm actually going backwards here. So the third person on that door is going to be that that relay to the outside world when the when the guys are in, in the, on the push. He should be able to tell a lot of things from just standing outside the, by the door. He's going to be able to know how far in the, um, the, the guys are because of where the couplings are. So he should be counting how far they went in based on couplings. Um, he's going to know if they're flowing water, if they're doing work, because he's going to have the, for lack of a better word, the recoil of the hose or the reaction of the hose. It's going to be moving every time they flow water. So he's going to be able to tell a lot of stuff to the incident commander when he comes by and asks questions, or the captain when they come by and ask questions that they may not know. Um, and Ash is going to talk about this a little later. He's going to also provide some extra support to the to the host um, when it has to go in deeper. So that's where we started going with the three-person one. Um, but the, the main two people that are doing most of the work are that nozzle operator and the backup person. Now, the backup person is actually doing the most amount of work. Uh, and like we always say, you know, the nozzle guy gets all the glory. <coughs> but the ba- he gets the cool hel- helmet footage camera, like the helmet camera footage of, uh, of the fire because it's on his head and he's got the he's got the nozzle he's got the cool story but really the backup guy is the one doing all the pushing all the heavy lifting and the uh, nozzle guy just doing the the cool stuff um yeah it sounds like a thankless job the backup <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah 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 the backup guy is a job <clears throat> yeah because yeah, they're busting their butt trying to get everywhere all work no glory yeah um we started adding the backup person used to be and i think it's Still in a lot of the manuals where the backup person should be, they still preach a lot of times, backup person should be like, for lack of better term, nuts to butts yeah. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Like right close to you. Um, there's several we- reasons why we don't do that. I don't know if Spencer wants to take that. Yeah, sure. It's uh, just not effective. Um, when the backup person's right tied up against the nozzle person, um, you don't get any leverage on the hose. Uh, you step back those two or three, four, five feet and... Uh, the backup person can really um, control the hose better and give the nozzleman um, just a whole lot less work to do. When the backup guy's doing their job, the nozzleman doesn't even feel the hose in his hand other than, than the nozzle. Yeah. yeah so back is so <coughs> we typically go back until there's a loop in the line and it's almost touching the ground. That way it gives that um, nozzle person some room to work. Um, and... Uh, one thing we always say, you know, everybody's adrenaline's up. If you're really close to each other um, and you're both holding the hose, 
one guy's going to be, like, the backup guy, person could be moving the hose for the nozzle man. You're like, oh, no, over there, over there, and pulling the hoses in certain ways. So um, we keep them out of the, kind of out of the way. They can still communicate. They still got all those. Uh, they can communicate. They can usually see each other, and um, they can definitely feel what's going on because if the hose is getting pulled, they know it's getting moved forward. If it suddenly drops and goes dead, then they know they... Um, then they know they're not moving anymore, or maybe they're like assessing the fire. And probably the most important one, I don't know if that's what Ash is about to talk about. Yeah, I was going to say, if uh, the most important thing, if your nozzleman falls to the floor, yep. and now he's in a pit of fire, if your backup guy is, you know, humping the nozzleman. <laughs> <laughs> well, I thought it wasn't going to be like one of those <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just embrace it. Yeah. Just let it happen. Take 23. <laughs> um, now you're both, you know, potentially in that same danger. Uh, if your backup guy is back that five feet or whatever, there's way more of a chance that they can just grab that nozzle now and provide coverage from the top in a melee situation or whatever. At that point, I think it's key to have that gap. Yeah, I totally agree. The, uh, the other thing is, obviously, as well, if you've got two guys that are that close together... Mm-hmm you're you're not dispersing the weight very well on that floor like if you are walking over stuff obviously we're trying to sound things as we go but yeah. that extra weight over those positions in potentially you know faulty structure at this point we've got that extra weight now two guys yeah. pushing on that floor as well as the hose water as well as everything else right kev feel some and then also that uh, second guy is also your second set of eyes because as that nozzle guy's there he might be focused in with the adrenaline and everything just focused on that one specific thing so the guy sitting back five feet, he has the bigger picture in mind. He can see what's happening around them. That's something that the nozzleman might be missing, whether it's flashing over or rolling over up above you guys or something like that. He can provide that feedback for the nozzleman. Hey, get over in this section, something like that. Yeah, I mean, I know as well with us, what we do is our second guy is also the thermal imaging camera guy as well. He's also the guy carrying the tick. So... <clears throat> I know when we were doing that practice, which we're going to discuss a little bit, mm-hmm. it was wicked because it was so full of smoke. Yeah, I could just about see um, see Xander ahead of me, and it was fine. He was on the other end, but for me, looking down, <laughs> looking down the uh, through that through that tick yeah. was was like it gives you that perfect crystal picture, right? Mm-hmm. You can see everything that's going on in a in an actual fire situation that thing is phenomenal it's brilliant oh, for sure. it allows us to see that full picture and again when we get to that point of um targeting later on your your backup guy is going to come up with the tick hold it in front of the guy uh, kind of like be his be the sniper sights right mm-hmm. and, and really guide that guy uh guide him in mm-hmm. and and that the backup guy is they're moving constantly up and down their hose they're going they're either going to the door to check you know and open doors for the nozzle man or they're doing like what you're saying using that that thermal camera to do uh, checks, door checks, or um, or the the gun sight. I'm assuming that's what you're talking about. The yeah. gun sight with the uh, venting. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, now, one thing we do a lot of also back the nozzle forward is uh, is the clamp with the slide, uh, mm-hmm. which if you haven't looked, if for those, I think will we post it or what do you what do you think? And we'll post. Uh, I think a lot of people that probably listen to this knows know what I'm talking about, but. There's a several videos on it. Maybe we'll post one on the on yeah. We'll, we'll post them used on our, on the training or on the new Instagram account. There you go. Right. Yeah, we could absolutely yeah. do that. Um, and it's a really good way to move the hose through the, through the structure, especially if you're a smaller person or you know, it's just it's just a really good way to move the hose. Um, it gets a little tricky sometimes if there's uh, furniture around you, but it is a it is a nice 
way to move the hose and also a nice way to pin it down when you're when you're flowing water. Yeah, yeah moving down the hallway, uh, like in a straight that, hallway. That motion, yeah, it, it was super easy and really quick. And yeah. when you're trying to stay low, having that just extra balance and it, it was super super easy to just yeah. kind of get into that position and still keep that because sometimes when you move, obviously you've got that extra extra length that you're trying to use, right? <clears throat> and moving with that sometimes can be a little bit challenging, but having that extra nozzle pinned under your leg as you're kind of down low moving along the floor, it was very uh, fluid, right. mm -hmm. comfortable. And it keeps the nozzle in front of you ready to be utilized as well, rather than you know having to readjust if, if something changes. You're always ready to flow water, uh, which is key. Well, I like it too because you're... You're kind of you're more upright, and you can see the fire above you. Yeah. And also, if there is a hole in front of you, um, your body weight is distributed backwards rather than forwards. Like as if you're crawling. If you're crawling or something, it would, your head and everything's forward. Whereas this way, this method, you're you're leaning back and you're moving. Yeah. 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 They were actually on the videos. They were talking about it as a phenomenal tactic to uh, to flow while moving, like, yeah. and they were using it for that. I didn't. I didn't find that. When I was doing right. it, <clears throat> I thought that it was a great way to reposition, but I was I was shutting down yeah. during the movement cycle. Well, and I think this kind of falls back to us as volunteers. Um, mm -hmm. We're not training every day on it. We just can't because we uh, all have full time jobs. So we're doing this, you know, not even once a week because we have all the other stuff we have to train. We, you know, maybe do this tactic, this training method, maybe every couple months. So trying to keep it fairly simple, you know, a flow. A flow and move is a fairly complicated thing, especially if you're not working with your... Because we don't work with the same partners all the time. Um, I th believe a lot of the full-time guys, they work in the same platoons together all the time. They're always on the same company. You know, a lot of times, your partner is kind of your partner. Here, it's like, you know, one day I can have Ash, next day I can have Kevin. So we just don't... I mean, we're fairly cohesive. Mm -hmm. The whole department's fairly cohesive, but we're not. We're never going to be as cohesive as you're li like literally living together, living together all the time. But you don't even know if that guy hasn't even been at the same practice that you were. Maybe they missed that week. Yeah, yeah. So, so that's I mean, and that's that's one reason why we do the volunteer firefighter podcast to to talk about those differences. <laughs> and that's why a lot of times when in the training section when we see these um, training methods, we have to take it and look at it and be like, how does it fit in here? It's not always going to be exactly what it says mm -hmm. in in the video or in the course we take or in a manual we have to adjust it to fit our needs because even most of the manuals are written for full-time department. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I think we, we spoke about that last week when we were showing the crew how you can flow and move. Uh, we had a bit of a round table afterwards and we discussed how for us, it's probably not going to be something that we do, but you're able to, it's just, you know, one extra thing to have in the back, back of your mind. Um, and it's I think, toolbox. Yeah, just, you know, keep filling that toolbox up. I think <clears throat> that tactic and them flowing and moving um, with uh, with their secondary guy, what was that called? The the crooked lean? Oh, yeah. Which yeah, is, yeah. yeah, it's very similar to the clamp. You just add that second guy behind you. They're flowing... They're flowing two and a half. Two and a half. As an attack line. Right? Yeah. As an attack line. Uh, they're taking a lot of big Walter inside. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I believe they actually said we're, we're doing it just for the sake of being able to do showing it. Just that showing that we can move. do it. And was that the one where they're 
tanks were together, like back to back. Yeah, you almost lock lock your tanks together. A couple different ways that they do things. So it's interesting. um, But like I said, I don't think we're there yet, and I don't know if we'll ever need to be there because there's so much other stuff we have to train. Exactly. Yeah, Um, and we can only go so far with with that. Mm -hmm. But the stuff we do train on, I think it's progressed quite well. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So let's uh, let's keep on this for a second. I want to talk a little bit more about the nozzle guy. <clears throat> so let's talk about when we first get up to when we first get up to the door, um, and the maybe the, the pattern that we have on the nozzle, things that you're going through in your mind. So Kev, it's you. You've got your you've got your gear on. You're the guy on the nozzle. Uh, our third guy's up. He's done his door check. Back in the hand. Found heat. There's gonna be something hot on the other side. What's your what's your process? Well, I'm sitting there. I'm basically prepared for that doorman to open the door and see whether we're going to have some flame or not. We have to maintain our protection, so I'm on a fog pattern in case those flames come out. Once that door is open, we see what's going on. No flames. We're going to start. We make sure we communicate that to the team. Go into my my straight stream pattern, and then we move forward. We'll attack it from there move into the door, continue on until we either encounter a door or whatever, and just maintain communication through the team. Yeah. Yeah. We also do that quick smoke check just to make sure we've got, you know, a few seconds just in case it's like funky color. Mm-hmm. And then there's, uh, <clears throat> after that, we get into the, the kind of bumping up stuff, mm-hmm. right? So, Ash, do you want to take the... <clears throat> Yeah, this got, is what we did in the practice, right? Yeah, it, just to add, uh, that's something that's fairly new to us to the bump, bump up because it's mm-hmm. for that extra long um, push down into the into the building. That's right. So we, for the longest time, trained. We have uh, we're lucky enough to have two burn buildings now, uh, and we always practiced going interior, uh, and generally two people with a doorman could get in and around the majority of the burn building, uh, and that's just how we practice all. All of our tactics. We're lucky now to have um, a much larger building to practice in, which has now allowed us to practice this bump up technique where everything stays the same. You still start off with that three person team, but now you're pulling in extra resources at the deeper end of the structure that you're pushing. So the two people go in, let's say they encounter a long hallway with a corner at the end. Well, they're not going to be dragging that hose line around the corner. They're going to need some added help on the inside of the structure. So they'll be calling that doorman to bump up into the push with them, calling another person to come in and take over the role as the doorman, potentially. Um, And what that also does, it helps move that hose line, but it gives one extra step back out in communication. Because like I think Scott said earlier, a radio inside of a working fire with water flowing with firefighters moving is next to useless but people to people to people you're able to communicate back outside um, much much better trying to move that information back in each person's position once you get there you don't just stand there and this is where I am and I'm just gonna keep feeding the hose this is where I live even the doorman doesn't live at the door like they can move out of touch, they can move in a touch, like as as long as they're within eyesight, ear earshot of wherever they need to be, they're still doing that job. So that bump up person and you can bump up one, two, three extra people, the the further in and you know again it comes down to how much manpower that you have as well. But you can continue to bump up and put people in there 
uh, to, to help, you know, further push that hose line in towards wherever the fire is. Yeah, I think a lot of the bump up, um, we, well, we didn't do it because we didn't really know about it. But now it's, because it's more important to get the fire on that seat, or fire, <laughs> to get the water on the seat of the fire than it is to maybe, say, have a secondary hose line, like just lobbing water at nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never it's never good to lob water at nothing, but, you know, a lot of times, some sometimes a hose, the, the second, the backup hose line or, or, you know, the other guys, maybe they're not doing an effective job of, of fighting the fire. Whereas if we could push that, nozzle mm-hmm. deeper into the structure and find that seat of that fire and put it out those guys that are standing outside possibly doing some ineffective firefighting they're helping more by pushing that line in because a lot of times you know like a room and contents fire one nozzle will do it we just got to get the nozzle to where it needs to, to go where it needs to go yeah, yeah mm-hmm. for sure yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um yeah the uh the i know we're talking about door control here and oh you sorry I was just going to talk more about passing that, passing the word. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's really something we were, um, you know, Ash was talking about, we communicate back, bump up, bump up. We're really starting to stress that whole pass the word on anything now. Like pass the word. Um, even, I mentioned it to the guys, even when we're on the truck driving to the, driving to the call. Because sirens are going, radios talking in the back. I always try to, you know, whatever the officer says up front, or if I'm the officer up front, I always try to make sure everybody hears it but the best way to make sure everybody hears it is for everybody to say this like just say back back to you what they said yeah so we really got the got to see how it worked in that um session we did last week because we had to to tell everybody bump up because if you weren't calling that bump up no one knew to move but then we got into because i was actually on the outside listening and i could hear guys like bump up flowing water and then everyone passes down flowing water flowing water flowing and then and you could hear it going down the chain and it was like so good because everyone understood what was going on. So really passing that word down the line so everyone knows it is, it's, it's great. Yeah. Like that's a really effective way to communicate. Um, and like we said, even more so than a radio. And I'm not saying don't bring a radio in. Radio is still very important. But nothing beats verbal word, like face to well not even face to face. Us, me talking to Ash directly without going over radios, trying to manipulate things while we're, we're trying to fight fires. Yeah. And simple. Keep it yeah, simple. Because we're because we're in mass and you don't want to be like, all right, I'm gonna go up twenty steps and I'm gonna do this and this. No, yeah. it's bump up, up flowing yeah. water, flow, flow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, moving, one or yeah, two moving, words. Yeah. door, one or two words. Yeah. yeah, absolutely, the, the basics of yeah, what we were letting people know. Yeah, I think the short, clear, just simple, effective, uh, you know, words or commands. Yeah, and yeah. It, yeah, it worked awesome. Well, Warren, Warren pointed out actually when he said like, you know, it's not only you said it, the guy behind you hears you because mm-hmm. as soon as that person repeats it, you know he's heard you. That's right. That's and exactly then right. when you then scream that for the next guy to hear, they then do the same thing. So you're you're getting that. And then it also, not only that, I found it gave me a gauge through the smoke of how mm-hmm. far away that person was. That's right. You know, so it was like, okay, well, I can tell. Um, like when I was in there with Warren, I could tell that he was down on the corner where we just left the door just from being able to hear it, the distance was like, yeah, all right, he's still in the doorway. Like I could hear it muffled. Yeah. And then when he screamed again, I could hear that and just mm-hmm. hear uh, the door guy a little bit quieter, but right. again, because of that distance, that you're a solid hose line and you change <clears throat> away from where you first started. Yeah. You might not know. I mean, when it's smoky, you're down, down low, you're making that push and you're, you know, you're in essence crawling, mm-hmm. moving ahead a couple of. You know, shuffles at a time. 
sometimes you can lose track of how far you've actually came. But once you start to hear in behind you that the next person and then the next person, the audio is going to drop. You can start to gauge, okay, well, I know when we heard it the last time and I know kind of the direction that I came, how far it's been. Okay, that's quieter. That's quieter. It's really, it's it's a good way to, to really gauge distance. I find as well the, it was, it helped me in the, in the black to, just figure out it gave me a layout like i could figure the layout of the building because it was like yeah right (laughs) it was like the sonar stuff because as i moved in it was like okay i know i came in and i went to the left and i know i called a bump up because there was a corner and a door so we just we breached that we went through the door we got through and then it was i called the bump up and now i'm down the corridor and i know we've got another one so i had to call another one and so we did you know what i mean like mm-hmm. and we flowed water and it was just that mental thing of okay i know there was a corridor i came down the corridor there was nothing there there was a door i know now that there's like a, a c-shaped corridor that i'm in you know it was that kind of thing in my brain as i yep. was going through because i it's been a while since i've been in those those buildings as well so i didn't know which way to go and what to expect so mm-hmm. by the time when i came out it was like oh yeah we went in and rained and i think some of it too it's uh it's reassuring to hear you realize everybody's there with you. Yeah. Because really you're not just by yourself. Sometimes you're, you're the nozzle person, you're like, uh, you feel kind of like, I'm very lonely. I'm <laughs> but you're kind of like, you're, you're like out there by yourself sort of thing. Because even with, because one thing about having that person right, the nuts to butts thing, it did feel like, oh, I have a backup guy. It's but when the backup good. guy's back doing his work, sometimes you're like, oh, I'm by myself in this nozzle running it. But when you start hearing everyone calling stuff back, you're like, oh, you know, I got the whole crew backing me up here. So I'm, I, I got to do my, my job. They're all doing their job. So I'm good to go. Yeah, a little bit of confidence there with that. Mm-hmm. We talk about how hard it is to hear and communicate in a fire, but the flip side of that is when you're in there working a fire, it's crazy easy to hear. I mean, you can't read a novel to somebody, but if you yell, bumping up, I mean, you can be a pretty good gap away and hear that. Not crystal clear, but you can make that out no problem. Versus trying to tell a story to somebody, that's going to be the challenge. But um, back to that, you're not alone because you, you can hear it and you can hear it a distance away. So, um, yeah. Yeah, I think it, it comes again with that, like the closing of the eyes sometimes as well and shutting off one sense to get another. I know sometimes that, I know when we were in there, I was I was closing my eyes for a point and I was holding on to the nozzle to see, or holding on to the, the line to see if it was pulling, right? Like mm-hmm. to see if we were flowing. Because right. I, I couldn't find the tick. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I was having an issue grabbing the tick. And then when I got the tick, I was like, all right, I know kind of what's going on now through the smoke. But before that, it was like, okay, I'm going to try listening to what they're doing. I'm going to hold on to the hose to see mm-hmm. if they're flowing. And then you obviously listen out for the commands too. Yeah. So, yeah. So I do want to talk about door control because door control, especially now, um, has become more important for us since I've joined the department. I know with the making sure that, um, you know, we're not giving it more air than it, than it needs, making sure, you know, the, the guy on the door is not just there to control that portion. Now, and I don't think we've, we haven't got into it as much as some of the other departments with the UL research and stuff of, uh, of actual controlling the flow as much, because typically when we're doing this sort of attack and we've talked about this, we use positive pressure a lot. So typically on something like this, we would probably have vented, mostly. Um, perhaps not. If you're doing a search or something, you, maybe you don't want to vent because you don't know where you're putting that, uh, that, that smoking hot gas. 
but for the most part, we're when we're pushing in, we're we're putting that fan on our back. So really, we have that that vent right open. But what what you're alluding to, Carl, is that controlling that flow path, so we're not feeding the fire. So the door control guy could, and he sh- and he should in certain circumstances, close the not like close the door as much as he can on the team that's going in, and feed the hose. I mean, you can't close it right shut because because there's a door, and you can't close the door on a hose. Even though our burn building, we've cut notches out so we can close the door on the hose is for certain reasons. But um, on a real door, there's not a notch in it. So you can close it so far, feed that hose through, and that does help control that that uh, fire flow, that flow path. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of one of those jobs that, you know, you're like, oh, I'm on door control. But it's, it's pretty crucial. You know, not only are you feeding it in, but you're the guy on the out telling the people on the out what's going on on the in. So you really need to be paying attention to two lots of crowd. There's a lot of accountability. There really is. Because you need to know how many people are in there. Like mm-hmm. you were saying, you're, you're counting you're counting how many coppers have passed you. Right. You know, okay, well, I know they've pulled this many. I've touched this many coppers that they passed me. I know they're in 50 feet. I know they're in 100 feet. And, and I know one thing and um, regarding the bump up, and we've talked about this before, and I know last on the practice we didn't really discuss it much, is the fact, does the door guy bump up? Or does the door guy, that's the door guy, Does should he stay there and other people bump in? Because the door guy, like you just said, has all the information. Now to relay the information to the next bump up guy, yeah. that might take a little long. So is it better, and I know I've touched on this before, but we haven't we haven't, don't have it in a policy that it has to be um, the door guy stays where he is. It might be more practical to have the door guy stay at the door the whole time, and when the bump happens, send another, like a brand new person that's already outside, he just goes in, because really, he doesn't need to know anything about what's happening, yeah. other than there's a hose going in, and he's got to bump up to the next line, yeah. to the next corner. If you leave the door guy where he is, he knows how many guys are in now, he also knows um, how far they went in, how much water they flowed, um, all that sort of stuff. So, you know, it's kind of... But sometimes you don't have the manpower to do that, so you might have to bump in with the door guy. Yeah, uh, true. <laughs> true. I don't know. I, I, I was, was going to bring it up earlier, actually, mm-hmm. and say the same thing. I, I would think it would be a better idea to have that guy stay yeah. stationary. Like, you're the door guy, and you know what's going on. Because, yeah. there's, like you said, there's a lot going on, right? Like yeah. You're trying to keep track of so many things, and we've all got jobs to do, but if you start trying to hand that stuff over, it just gets convoluted. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the last thing, again, we're getting back to, like, keep it simple, stupid, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. tell me the facts of what I need to do and I'll go do it. But yeah. if you ever complicate. A lot of the stuff we do is, you know, it's, we're never the ones that, like, I don't like things that are black and white. Because really nothing in fire, nothing really anywhere in the world is black and white. But really fire is it's always changing. So if we just say, you always have to do it this way. Um, I think there's, it's been a, a tradition for too long that says it always has to be done this way. And it's not really effective in emergency scenes. Um, things always change, so you have to be adaptive. If it makes sense at the time for the door guy to stay at the door and push somebody else in, it makes sense. Um, if it makes more sense for maybe the door guy to go in, maybe you have someone that, um, like maybe an older member, mm-hmm. who maybe he wouldn't be the best to go inside the structure, but he'd be just a just fine door guy, but he wasn't originally the door person. Maybe he comes in, you quickly relay the info, hey, there's, you know, we're in two lengths, um, there's three of us in there, I'm going in, there's two of them in there right now, I'm the third guy, this is your this is your deal, this is your job. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to do the heavy lifting of, of moving around in that structure. Yeah. 
So maybe that's the time you do that. Um, yeah, so it's, it's always constantly moving. <laughs> and chances are there's going to be an officer that's going to be cycling around on the outside. Or in the inside. I see, yeah. or inside. Again, maybe they're, they're helping maybe move some holes while they're in there monitoring. But they're probably not active. Like, they're not going to be a guy posted up somewhere helping move the hose. So they're more like a rover. They're more of a rover, right? So somewhere along the way, that person also knows what's going on on the inside as well. But I do like the idea of the door guy being the door guy, unless we have, like, last week was perfect. We had a guy that he he's not comfortable going inside, and that's fine. Many, many jobs to do without going inside. And uh, that that guy can keep all that information, and I I, I believe he did. Yeah. Kind of... <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was teaching something. Else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was it was really good. I mean, I think again going back to the door guy having because uh, we were talking about the RIT teams previous, right? Like the RIT teams, that that door guy is a massive asset. Mm. A massive asset because not only they're doing their their 360s you know not staying on the tarp they're doing their 360s having a conversation with the doorman hey how many people we got in okay mm-hmm. how, how much hose how far are they at? right yeah. like to give you a better idea especially if they knew the layout of the structure and kind of distances and stuff it would definitely help a new shirt door guy door guy <laughs> <laughs> i was a door guy for this fire <laughs> <awesome. laughs> yeah the uh this maybe discuss a little bit about the decisions inside as well so i know it's tough to talk about this one just because obviously we all know like it's situational right like the the different things we're going to choose to do on different types of attacks uh, but i know when i was in there uh, with warren um and i was on nozzle it was that communication portion and i i missed it because it was something that we had discussed outside as to what attack we were doing mm-hmm. And Warren relayed to me afterwards, and he was just like, you should have told me what we were doing. I was like, well, we all knew what we were doing. Like, but if this was a situation yeah. where... We don't know what we're doing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what we were doing because we made the plan outside. But if this was an actual flyer, we should be training that way, right? As opposed right. to training what we're told. As soon as you get in, yeah. the plan's changed six times. Yeah. yeah. So we were going in for a steam kill, and he grabbed the door, and he's like, okay, opening door. And as he opened the door... I just cranked on the, and started with the steam kill, right? And of course, <laughs> he gets blasted by all this hot water, yeah. and he wasn't a happy bunny. Sorry, Warren. <laughs> well, you but, did the steam kill. <laughs> but yeah, it was you know. So maybe maybe let's just kind of talk on that a little bit. Spence decisions on the inside. And so Warren didn't know that you were going to do a steam kill. He did, but it's because I we didn't. I, I think um, during that like, we got to the door. Here. Yeah, oh, like right, when right. we got to the door, we talked about it outside. Right. But when we got to the door inside the stretcher with that portion on fire, it was like, okay, open the door. Okay, steam kill, and uh, because I didn't relay because yeah, because yeah, I mean because we you know you you want to assess the room first, the room conditions. Is it worthy of a steam kill? You know, I mean, we talked about was is there is there tenable um, rescues in there? If it's steam kill worthy, probably not going to be. You know, fire's rolling over, mm-hmm. fire's coming out the door. You know, I'm still an advocate of taking a quick peek underneath the, the, the smoke layer and seeing what we can see, taking a look behind the door if you can, closing that door, and then d- discussing what our attack options are. Because, I mean, we talk VIS. VIS works both ways. We can, we can isolate the room from the structure by closing the door and chilling out for a couple seconds, getting our attack ready, discussing what we're going to do. We don't have to check the door for heat. <laughs> 
because we already because the door was already open. There's a lot of heat in there. Already. There's fire coming out at us. We yeah. closed the door because I don't know yeah. if when you guys went in, I wasn't in there. Was the door open or was it closed? Uh, on or my did, one, were you, or were you guys changing it up every we time? We had an open one. We had a closed nice. one. Yeah. Depending on your guys, it was closed. On ours, yeah. it was closed. Yeah, That's good. so That's you good. came up to and I think you guys checked. Like you went through the whole process. You checked. We went the through. It was. It, yeah. it was yeah, we went Perfect. through the numbers for yeah. sure. Just, I mean, you could see there was glow under the door, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. But there was no telling how close that was. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I couldn't remember the What's size of that building. Yeah. So That's for me, it was like, yeah. yeah, it was just we'll just run through the stuff. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So once you're inside, you, I mean, the, the tactics, like the training, dictate the tactics we're gonna do. If you don't, if we haven't trained, and if you're, there's a saying, if you're, um, your mind. Your body can't go where your mind hasn't been. So if we haven't trained it, you you can't do it in a real fire. That's so, deep. That's deep. <laughs> deep. Um, so we train it, and then you have this little, like Ash was saying, like we were talking about earlier, we have this um, um, toolbox of stuff. And you kind of scroll down. I always think of it like a video game. <laughs> I have my big thing of like Slat. all the skills I have. That one. <laughs> Good idea for a video. <laughs> so I pulled a little. Uh, pu- I pulled my skill slot out, and I. I'm like, oh, I know this tactic. Let's try this. Oh, that didn't work, <laughs> and we're dead. <laughs> no, like I try. You know, I'll be like, well, let's try this. And I usually typically try the simplest one first. I don't want to. You know, I don't want to be some crazy. Like, oh, I'm gonna try this because it seemed cool. No, we try the simplest one first, and then if that fails or doesn't have the desired effect, then we go to the next one. Wrap it up. Yeah. Try something. Yeah, and there's a more aggressive. Lots of different things we can be doing. Yeah, like we go right, you know, and then when we start troubleshooting, sometimes like, well, let's try the piercing nozzle. <laughs> like, let's pull this thing out. Let's try this now. Let's try this because, you know, sometimes fire like, it's hiding. And, you know, not hiding, but it's you know we're looking for it in places, and we we're, we're pulling out every trick in the book to put it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when it starts getting into those roofs and yeah. walls, and I know we ended up ripping one of the buildings three quarters of a part like just trying to get through the ceiling just to try yeah. and extinguish that oh we should talk about that video <laughs> that crazy video on our facebook yeah that we posted that yeah mm. kev where'd that come it, from explain it a little over there uh sbsk posted today not sure where specifically that fire was the fire is yeah or any information on it <laughs> so just a random video firefighters there and there was a fire yeah basically so it looks like it was a warehouse setting um some roll-up doors and there was heavy black smoke coming from the ceiling or from the the basically roof basically the entire roof yeah, yeah mm-hmm. it didn't look like there was any self-venting at the time uh the Firefighters moved to the roll-up door, took their chop saw, and made a, a triangular cut into the door. And shortly after that, the uh, smoke, the thick black smoke above, Ignited. whether it was a smoke, yeah, it, it went up. Turned into big orange yeah. flames. Yeah, whether big orange flames. Smoke explosion or just ignition, fuel ignition, I would say, and... And, uh, yeah, they basically backed up from there. I think within a short, like, couple minutes, the yeah. entire structure start, basically collapsed. On yeah, well, the whole front just a, couple front. a few seconds. Yeah, well, well, a couple seconds and it wasn't fully involved, but then, <laughs> yeah. you know, it took a matter of just... 
But it seemed in the classroom itself. It yeah. seems like it was one container. It looked like from the outside on that initial portion, the smoke was mainly above the container they were outside of the door of. But yeah. as soon as they had cut that yeah. hole and it Introduced give it all that, that, give I don't it know that if that's extra, yeah. So. I mean, yeah, it didn't look it like the hole. Like it was like it looked like it was already up in the above the roof line. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like yeah. above, it was black and rolling. It wasn't yellow. Okay. The black. Was so I'm wondering if like soft if it was in that void space in the attic and running like the whole like you know when the when the school was on fire, yeah. the whole void space was was fully involved. Yeah. Like you said, it um, but it might have not shown that whole like. And then if that would have got oxygen. The whole roof would have went up. Well, it seems like the smoke is pouring, yeah. coming out of the soffit area and coming yeah. around on the roof. And then, yeah. yeah, once that flame is going through, it is all yeah. pouring and out then, of the soffit. And then it went area. back in. And yeah. It's just it interesting because, I mean, we posted it and some people mentioned, like, like we've, t- I think we even asked, like, what yeah, we are did, options? Yeah. What are options? Not saying that those guys did anything wrong because what are the options? Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you even can, if you can read that smoke correctly, which could be difficult. What it's about to do. What are your options? Yeah. Um, you know, we've had there's some suggestions. Um, make a small like a small cut rather than the the large um, triangle cut in the door. Make a small like people cut. Put an nozzle in there. Maybe cool it down a bit. Maybe do that steam kill. Um, I think one of us was talking about maybe grab the piercing nozzle. Piercing nozzle, sure. Um, uh-huh. You know, um, maybe what happens if we rip down a piece of that soffit and stick a nozzle in there? What happens if you launch water at the at the roof line, because like, was it coming through the roof already? What happens if you cool that smoke layer down? Disturbed, like you know, I don't know. Well, that soffit, yeah. it, it went, it collapsed fairly quickly. I almost wonder if it was just a facade more than yeah. the actual soffit, so you're not really getting into the attic space. Yeah, maybe, it's just yeah. sitting there, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah that, like yeah. the two and a half on a, like just cooling that smoke layer down because the smoke won't ignite if it's cool, right? Mm-hmm. Um, would that have helped? I don't know. It's, it's all a question. I mean, I don't. It doesn't look like anyone really got hurt. Um, no, they ended up backing off. Yeah, they sure. backed off. It didn't look like anyone was inside because mm-hmm. it seemed like a warehouse. Yeah. So, it's just an interesting um, video to examine attacks. Yeah, it's, it was. It's really interesting, and yeah, we were we were talking about it a little bit. And it, there's so many what ifs, and you know, you could ofs, and which is what the videos are are good for, right? It's yeah. good having that 2020 vision after the fact. But when it comes to these things, there's no right or wrong, full right or wrong answer. It's really difficult to. Yeah. To pick it apart. and Even the videos, you have no idea what's happening on the other side of the building. Yeah. Maybe yeah. there's another team mm-hmm. on the other side that yeah. popped a vent and something happened. From or maybe there, there was major there. flame on the other side. We just didn't, you can't see it from yeah. the other side. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're watching the second view truck. You know, yeah. they, they could have been working the front half or whatever. We're always, uh, um, I'd say, our, maybe, eh, still now. We keep restoration companies in business with our use of water. Um, we, we will put a fire out with large amounts of water if we're able to. Um, and it's easy on these videos to be like, oh, where's all the water? But like, you know, Kevin just said, we have no idea what's happening in and around that fire scene. So it's easy to be like, well, I just start spraying some water somewhere, do something. I mean, they, they, did have a, yeah. they did have a line a protection out. Line out for a protection their, line out for the person chopping the door. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So they were prepared to be spraying. They were doing the right thing on the initial. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And again, we're only getting a small snapshot of what's happening there. Yeah. So mm-hmm. uh, we, I think we talked about the garden department's yeah. Last week? Or the one with the VIS? This one? Yeah. yeah. Um, 
which we have as a group looked at a video of a uh, fire department pulling up on your classic garden apartment and it took forever and a day for them to start spraying water. Oh, I remember that one, yeah. Right? Like, yeah. we're thinking this must be, like, SoCal, and there's no water to be sprayed. <laughs> like, you know, they're just saving every drop. But again, what's happening on the other side? Because it is a garden apartment. There is countless other... Doing assessments. Yeah. yeah. Who knows what else is going on, right? So it's a really good thing to sit back and look and all the what-ifs. But uh, don't get yourself caught up in. We could have done it better. We could have yeah. done it better, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Which I think we try not to do. We no, we are we, very. It's not constructive. No, no, we are no, very no. active in. Um, oh hey, like with what I see, what other things could you do? It's not what could have been done better. Um, at the moment, you have no idea what else is going on. It's easy to sit on a couch with your buddies and be like, oh, hey, what about this? What about this? Yeah, those are all great things. But what was all going on at the time? Yeah. yeah. And I personally like watching videos when, when the guys do, like, badass stuff. And yeah. it's like, well, that was pretty cool. Like, That's they sweet. put it out. They knocked mm-hmm. it down. They did a really good job. Um, I'm not one of the guys that are like, I can't wait till these guys screw up. It's going to be great. None of us are like that. But, I, yeah, no. it's like, I know there's a lot of the, the world out there that wants to mm-hmm. watch people fail at their yeah. jobs yeah. but it's like no one does it better than me but I want to watch people succeed because I want to see what tactics they use to make it succeed mm-hmm. well the video of uh, the crew rocking the VIS yeah 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 well that's one that's reason awesome why we do it so much now because mm-hmm. of those guys yeah just rolling through it doing like four or five rooms I didn't think it what was a video uh, I'll, I'll show it to you maybe we'll post that too it was a, it was from quite a while ago about a 15 minute long video mm-hmm. I'll show it to you that is the one saved from the front of the building there or something? Yeah, I'll show you guys. Mm-hmm. We don't have to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll Let's go back to the DIS episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... Um, <clears throat> tactics. Yeah, I think, so, that's, uh, I think that's pretty much... yeah. Two firefighters, one hose. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, three. three it, yeah, we, three we, we threw in another guy. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I thought we were through this. <laughs> I'll make it weird. <laughs> Ash, Kev, Scott, oh, good night. <laughs> Mr. Thanks. Spence. Thanks, Carl. Thanks, everyone, for listening, guys. We appreciate it. So, take care.